Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. I hope you enjoyed the last Real Talks episode when I got to speak with my friend Alex about growing in her faith. The Real Talks episodes are so much fun for me because I get to hear about what God has placed in the hearts of the women in my life. God's always working in our hearts, and I'm so thankful to have people around me who are listening to what he's telling them. I'm sorry we're a week late with getting this episode out, but there has been some crazy weather in Texas. I'm glad that it seems to be over and we're back to some regular regular weather with some regular power and some water in the pipes and fingers crossed and praying for everybody who's still dealing with all of the repercussions of that. But you know who else went through a little bit of a rough patch? This lady of the Bible. Today we are going to be talking about Tabitha a disciple from the New Testament who we can read about in the book of Acts. First, though, I'd like to offer you some context before I just jump into what we know about her. Acts is the first book of the New Testament after the four books of the gospel, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all different accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. So Acts coming right after it is this super action-packed book that shows the initial spread of the gospel by his disciples, who then discipled others, and so on and on, that brings us the start of the church and Christianity as we know of it today. These guys were legends. They had the power of the Holy Spirit on them, doing miracles through prayer, teaching new believers understandings of Jesus' message, and building churches everywhere. The churches were spreading like wildfire. And I don't mean physical church buildings, I mean the churches in the people, as in Christianity, Everyone was gathering in each other's houses, and the spread of Christianity and faith was frightening some of the traditional Jews and people in charge and in positions of authority. This meant that while the message of Christ was amping up, so was the persecution of these new believers and the challenges that they were facing. Everywhere, there were men and women of all ages and social classes connecting with each other and being evangelists. Even with all of the persecution, these people had faith that outweighed all of the fear. Crazy to think that when I was little, I thought that the book of Acts was boring. Now I see all of the stories and legacies that people left behind, and a ton of female evangelists, a disciple, and servants of Christ. Not to mention, we get to read about what Jesus' disciples accomplished after they were commissioned to spread the gospel. Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples while he was here on earth. Peter made his fair share of mistakes while he followed Jesus, but He was on fire for the Lord, he loved the Lord, and he develops into an amazing man when it comes to spreading the gospel after Jesus went up to heaven. So let's read about Peter and Tabitha in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Okay, so this is a fairly short passage, which means that we have time to really get into it. Let's start by noticing what Tabitha is referred to as a disciple. 
Tabitha is the only woman in the New Testament who was given this specific designation. Although, as you've already found out, there have been plenty of women involved in the spread of the gospel, and there's a lot more we're going to end up learning about. But it's interesting to note that she's given this title. Keep in mind that how the wording is used in the Bible is really important. So the emphasis in using the term disciple means that the writer of Acts, his name was Luke, would have seen her as more than just a committed Christian, but as an influential and valuable member of her community. We can see this played out when we hear about her character. It says that she was always doing good and helping the poor. Now when I read that, I know that I should take a minute and evaluate what doing good and helping the poor is, and I should also see how I can apply this to my own life. Because remember, Tabitha was honored with being remembered as a disciple, so we should be trying to learn from her as an example of a godly woman. Let's start off with asking the question, what does it mean to always be doing good? Well, crack open your Bible, ladies. Let's find some verses. I'll share a few to start you off. Ephesians 2.10 is the first one, and it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this verse. Some translations say that we are his masterpiece. This verse tells us a couple really important things about ourselves. Number one, we're created by God. And number two, we're created for a purpose. We aren't accidents. We aren't just another number or face in a crowd. We were created to be exactly who we are. How often in life have you asked yourself, is this it? Is this all there ever is, just waking up and forcing through the day only to do it again tomorrow? But this verse tells us that it's not. There is more. When we became Christians, that is, in Christ Jesus, as the verse says, we became his hands and feet here on earth. God has prepared opportunities in advance for us to help others to do good works. James 2, 14-17 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Do you remember when we talked about the fruits of the Spirit way back in episode 1? Good works aren't our ticket to heaven. We couldn't do enough of them to cancel out all of the mistakes we make on the daily. But, and this is an important but, there are changes in us when we start to really pursue Jesus. We start to develop those fruits of the Spirit. And when you are kind and patient and selfless, you're setting yourself up to help people and do good works. James is taking a pretty practical approach to this. If you see someone struggling and it's in your power, you should help them. And that's on Proverbs 3.27. But Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is why we do good deeds. Not because it earns us anything, but because it glorifies our Father. It's a way to praise God and a way to pass on the blessings that he gives us. We extend mercy because he extends mercy. We practice patience because he has eternal patience with us. We offer our love because Jesus poured out his love for us on the cross. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Doing the right thing for a long time is hard. Doing the easy thing is, I mean, well, it's easy. It's way easier for me to scroll on social media than it is to focus on school. It's easier to eat unhealthy food. It's easier to skip the gym. It's easier to bail on a relationship when things get rocky. It's easier to do a lot of things. Full honesty, 
it was a lot easier for me to listen to some music and procrastinate than it was for me to sit down and write this blog and record this episode. Such is life. There's easy ways out, temporarily. But building good habits are worth the effort, I promise. After you put in the time, you build up a muscle for it. You can see physical improvements when you develop a healthy relationship with food and regularly exercise. You can see an emotional improvement in the couples that prioritize each other and resolve conflict instead of running away from it. You can see academic improvement when you put your phone away long enough to crush that test or assignment. And you know what? You can see spiritual improvement when you keep up the good fight. Temptations are easier to say no to when you realize that you have the power to say no for a few days, a few months, a few years. You build up spiritual muscle and armor when you pray over the people who hurt you, when you reach out to those in need, and when you're there to support those who need someone to lean on. James 1.27 tells us that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is where Tabitha comes in. She was doing good and helping the poor, the poorest of them, then were orphans and widows, and oftentimes I think now they are too. And these subgroups had a special place in the heart of our Lord. From all the way back in Leviticus, one of those Old Testament books that developed the old law, where there were provisions made for the poor and those who couldn't take care of themselves, all the way to Matthew twenty-five forty, when Jesus says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God shows that he cares about those who are suffering. Psalms 34.18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is near to those in mourning, to those in suffering, and because he's near to them, we as his people should be near to them too. Reaching out like Tabitha to help the ones that need us most, to glorify God, to show them a fraction of the love that we've received, and to offer them hope in a world that can be so nasty and unforgiving and cruel. But there's a whole other part to this story. In the middle of doing good and living her purpose-filled life, Tabitha gets sick, and she dies. Why? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? I ask that a lot. I'm sure the questions come across your mind at some point or another. My church's pastor asked the same question last Sunday. Why doesn't God stop the bad things from happening? No one has an exact answer for that. We can take guesses, we can try to rationalize it, but... Honestly, we don't know. We don't understand. Here's what I do know, and how I best try to make sense of it. James is a good reference point for anyone who wants to really delve into this subject, so that's a good book to check out, and it's only like five chapters long. But to summarize about chapter one, he tells us to count it a blessing when we face trials because we will build up perseverance. We will grow and adapt and build strength from our pain. We will earn for ourselves a crown in heaven for our trials here on earth, a crown we're going to get to lay at the feet of Jesus. We live in a bad world. We live in a place that's in spiritual warfare. We live in a place where not everyone cares about what's in the best interest of the people around them. Take an inward evaluation and you'll find a lot of self-centered worries and priorities. That's not judgment. That's the human condition. I've looked inside myself and found exactly that. I know that I'm not perfect and the world isn't perfect, and the people around me aren't perfect, and no church is perfect, and it's so frustrating. But when you can acknowledge that, all of that, and still look at the goodness of God, 
when you realize that there's hope beyond this planet, beyond the only home we know of and understand as of now. You start pushing yourself towards that place we are told we get to go. You start to compare heaven to this earth we live on. A healthy reminder for y'all that our lives here are as close to hell as any Christian will face, so that's nice at least, but you compare who you are and who God is, and once you trade in the shame and guilt for love and forgiveness, you'll find yourself wanting to be more like him so you can be closer to him, and you can be in the middle of chaos and life storms and health concerns and scary life decisions, and yet you won't have the same panic as the rest of the world. When we face these situations and the people around us see how we handle pain with hope, struggles with an underlying joy that can't be taken from us, and fear with peace, we become fuel for new believers. And what better way to show that off than Tabitha's story? She was a survivor, a servant of the Lord, and her story led so many people to Christ. Now, in the story, when she dies, what did the people tell Peter? They told him to come at once. Something bad happened, and they wanted to immediately bring the attention to someone who could do something about it. I can't help but read this and think about my own relationship with God. When something bad happens, do I resent him? When I mess up, do I try to hide from him? These are childlike responses, but in the grand scheme of things, I am a child. I have a lot of learning to do, a lot of better habits to build. When bad things happen, bring God into the trials. He promises to be with us through them. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Trials will come, but you can count on the presence of God to grant you strength and comfort during your worst times, and for your best for that matter. As for hiding from him when I've done something wrong, that's laughable. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that might sound scary, and if you aren't a Christian, it's kind of meant to be. But my point in bringing this up is the fact that I can't hide from God even if I wanted to. And the concept of fixing myself up before presenting myself to the Lord is just as laughable as hiding from him in the first place. I can't be who I'm supposed to be without God's help. So it's a lot better to come quickly, like Peter did, and bring my trials to God. I don't need to wait until I feel like I have it all together, or until I feel like I have enough time, because I'm so busy trying to survive the storm without him. And how should we come to God? Look at Peter. He immediately gets on his knees and prays. And it's just that simple. James 5.13 says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Come to God quickly, with the good and the bad, with all of your highs and all of your lows. When you're out of the storm, praise God in prayer and praise God by helping others. When you're in the storm, drop on your knees. Pray to God for the strength he provides and trust that he's with you because he's always with you. When God answers Peter's prayer, Peter grabs Tabitha by the hand and helps her to her feet. Kind of symbolic, right? Tabitha had been doing that in her own community before she fell ill and died. It says that when Peter arrived, the widows were holding up pieces of clothing that Tabitha made for them. Tabitha grabbed people by the hand and helped them to their feet. Peter grabbed her hand and helped her to her feet. Our father grabs us by the hand too. 
Isaiah 41.13 says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. That's nice, right? Makes me really feel like the child I am. A child of God. He loves you so much. He's the God who reaches out for you before you knew who he was. And every time you ran away, he reached out for you. And every time you thought you went too far, he's telling you there's no fear needed. Don't be afraid. He'll help you. And we can hold our hands out to others. We can continue this cycle by helping others to their feet. That's the best part of a true community. It's a family that cares for each other, that provides when others are in need, and that is provided for when in need. Lastly, Peter presented Tabitha alive. Don't let the miracle just pass over you, go one in one ear, out the other. Tabitha was dead. Dead, dead. Not sick. Not dying. She was dead. And now she was alive. What would your response to that be? Would you freak out? Pass out? Celebrate? Sing? Dance? I mean, what would you do? I'll tell you what heaven does when you are made alive. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Straight from Jesus' mouth. You were dead. Spiritually speaking, your life before being saved by Christ ends. It is finite. It is spectacularly short like a firework or a lit match. But when you accept Jesus into your life suddenly and much more spectacularly, you are alive. You are infinite. You are offered an eternity with the one who created you for life, spiritual life. And in that moment, the heavens sing. They rejoice. They party. <laughs> Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I think this verse is a nice way to tie up this story. It brings us back full circle. When it comes to application, we should be helping others. We should do good works and do what's right like Tabitha. But those things aren't our story. They're just side effects. They're the fruit that come from the Lord making us alive. Our story is that we were dead. But in God's infinite mercy and love, he offered us the gift of life. Well, that is all that I have for today. So don't forget to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave a review. Check out the social media accounts and maybe even share an episode or two with someone you know and you love. So next Bible study, we're going to be talking about two women with a disagreement over a baby that they bring before a king in the Old Testament. If you can guess the story, comment the king's name on my last Instagram post. Next week, we're going to have another Real Talks episode to enjoy with my friend Chloe, where we talk about what it is to be and to be grounded. I hope to see you then. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. If you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth. And you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.